Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookin brought to you by Explore Booksellers, Aspen, Colorado's trusted community bookstore. Wherever you are in the world, it is always good to explore. My guest today is best-selling author Dan Sean. He has been a finalist for the National Book Award, the National Magazine Award, and the Shirley Jackson Award. He is a recipient of an American Award in Literature from the American Academy of Arts and Letters. His new book is Sleepwalk, which is published by our friends at Henry Holt and Company. Dan, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks. Um, I thought I would let your uh, let your listeners know that my last name, even though it's pronounced Sean, is spelled C-H-A-O-N. So it's like chaos except with an N, but it's pronounced Sean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad I asked you before we started because I definitely would have said it wrong. Um, well, it's an honor to have you here, Dan, and I'm psyched to be talking to you. Sleepwalk is the best book I've read in a long time. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thank you for writing it. I feel like I am now going to be diving into your entire catalog. This is one of those books that makes me feel like I have just been exposed to an author who is going to be one of my favorites. It's fantastic. I'm going to be selling the heck out of it from here forward. Um, Let's first talk about your narrator, or rather, let us first talk about the concept of the unreliable narrator. Is your narrator an unreliable narrator? And what are some of your favorite novels that feature unreliable narrators? Well, I'm I'm of the belief that all first person narrators are unreliable, or really all narrators are unreliable because, you know, people uh, have subjective experiences with the world. Um, I think sometimes we signal as writers whether we agree with the way that the 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 right the the main character views the world, or whether we think that they're, you know, deluded. Um, I never really came to a full conclusion. I mean, I think Will's um, delusions have to do with just trying to put a, a nice spin on a world that's that's kind of that's kind of awful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, I guess in some ways the the idea is to create a little bit of a sense of that meme. Uh, that went around with the, you know, the dog in the, in the burning coffee shop thinking this mm-hmm. is fine. I think that there, that's right. a little bit of, there's a little bit of will in that. Um, he tries to put, he tries to put a silver lining on uh, things that probably are not that silver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you, Dan. Um, Hunter S. Thompson lived here in Aspen where I'm recording from for most of his life. We love Hunter here. Uh, we still love Hunter here, even though he's passed away. Your narrator's voice reminds me at times of Hunter um, or Raul Duke, however you want to spin it. Are you a fan of Hunter S. Thompson? And whether you are or not, how should we approach a narrative voice when we know that psychedelics are involved? Oh, um, yeah, I am. A, I am a big fan of, of Hunter Thompson. And, uh, you know, I'm old enough that I, you know, would read him in Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh yeah fear and loathing was definitely uh some of my thought process in this um mm-hmm. i mean i i think um will does will does use a lot of drugs over the course of the um 
over the course of the book. He's 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 a he's a regular pot smoker. He microdoses LSD. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets sometimes um, accidentally takes too much of various things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, you do have to take some of his perceptions with a grain of salt, but um, he's an older guy, he's 50, and he's been he's been using this stuff for a long time. So um, I feel like he has a, he has more or less a handle on his altered perceptions. He's not, he's not, he's not somebody that's going to have to go to the hospital for eating an edible. Thank you so much, Dan. Um, I know what to talk about aliases, uh, about the barely blur, um, which is a group of aliases that our uh, protagonist will uses. Why Dan does your character and then people who use aliases in general, why do they choose names that are so similar to one another? Is it so they will be easier to remember to respond to when people are talking to them. It seems like this type of thing would be easy to trace. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. Um, he, I mean, I think he, he does choose aliases that are all variations on um, William and, and the last name bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they're mostly because mostly he chooses similar names because they're easier to remember. Um, mm-hmm. And um but honestly, I think I just had a lot of fun playing with with variations on on those names because there's a ton of of, of types of Williams, um, mm-hmm. you know, from Liam to um, Wilton to um, Wilhelm, uh, and there's a lot of different types of of, of bears. Uh, bears like a, a common uh, last name in a lot of different languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Um, our narrator, Will, the barely blur. Um, when this novel begins, Sleepwalk, what is Will doing in his RV, the guiding star? Why is he cuffing uh, this gentleman riding in his RV at the ankles? He doesn't really. He doesn't really know. Um, and he, it's not. It's not really any of his business. He works for a, a corporation. Um called value standard enterprises and my idea of this corporation is that they do the they do work uh for other corporations um whether that's um you know sort of minor espionage or it's um collecting somebody who is has gone who has tried to to get away or um maybe killing somebody or burning down their house will does all those things and um it, it's funny. I started out um, talking about this about like because you know I knew I had a gangster kind of character or, or you know he's like works for, works in the underworld of some kind, mm-hmm. and his job at first remained really nebulous. And then I, I was having this conversation with 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 my son about um, whether he whether I thought Pepsi could have me killed if they wanted, mm-hmm. and we were both like, well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they would, but sure they could if they wanted. And mm-hmm. then I and then I started playing with this idea of like, who would they go to if they needed to have somebody killed? And who better than this person who's you know off the grid, has no birth certificate, has a bunch of aliases, has no social media presence. There's no way to to find him online, um, and that's that's sort of his selling point. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm going to come back around to some of that later, Dan. But first, um, after this gentleman that uh, Will is transporting cuffed at the ankles at the beginning of the novel, he next transports a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, How does the transporting of this baby uh, thematically lead to the mysterious calls that Will starts receiving on his burner phones? Um. I think you know both of those both of those early incidents uh, are building, or I, maybe I, I should say softening Will towards being more open to this to this mysterious phone call that he's about to get. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene in in the in in the early stages where the this kid that he's transporting who's who's handcuffed or ankle cuffed uh, mm-hmm. starts crying. Mm-hmm. And uh, he feels he 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 feels something, and um, then later he's asked to you know to transport this infant, and he has to make all these all these excuses for himself. Oh, it's you know, it's going to be fine. the ch- The child's going to be adopted by by wonderful parents, and I'm I'm just doing a, I'm just doing something that's you know that's probably going to be good for this baby. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know he's so he's had these two incidents where he's had to kind of think a little about the humanity of the, of, of the people that he's, that he's transporting. Mm-hmm. And um, then he gets this call from a, from a, a woman who claims to be his biological daughter. And in some ways he's, he's vulnerable at that moment because he's had these, these, these earlier experiences that kind of uh, shook him a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Um, are burner phones really untraceable? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I'm in this world, they are. Yeah. Um, but uh, obviously he's got a bucket full of them. He changes them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow this, this, uh, this young woman still manages to find, find out how to, how to reach him and, to, and also manages to figure out that all of these are connected. So um they must not be that untraceable. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Thank you, Dan. Uh, listeners, we're going to take a short break here for a word from our sponsor. And then I will be right back with Dan Sean. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Dan, Sean, author of Sleepwalk, which is published by our friends at Henry Holt and Company. Dan, I want to talk to you about the most pleasant conversation our narrator Will ever had. Uh, He meets a little girl in Japan. She's speaking Japanese. She does not understand Will, 
He does not understand her. But he claims this is the most pleasant conversation he ever had. What did, <laughs> find so, what did he find so enjoyable about this interaction? And what does this tell us about him? Well, you know, he is being raised by a kind of, uh, I guess you would say a problematic mother. She's a con woman and criminal herself. And mm-hmm. um, I think in his life, there it's it's very rare that a conversation happens without some form of manipulation or calculation mm-hmm. um and this is a moment he's he's staying at, at a motel he's staying in uh in little america with his mom and he goes out to play on the on the sinclair dinosaur and meets this little girl who only speaks japanese and i guess for the first time he feels like he's having a pure interaction that doesn't have any kind of uh, uh, manipulation attached to it. Mm. Uh, so it's, I mean, I guess it tells you a lot about his childhood, um, that that would be the, the the kind of conversation that would, that would be memorable to him. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of his childhood, he was born into a cult. Uh, his mother was part of this cult. Uh, what type of cult was this and how did it set him up for his lifestyle? Um, I, I mean, it, it was a it was a cult that um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of libertarian movement uh, groups in the U.S. that, w- that wouldn't disagree with um, finding a way to disconnect any information about yourself from the government. So, no birth certificate, no birth certificate, no social security number. Um, trying to stay out of the purview of any kind of government organization. And also, you know, along with this, I think the, the, the mom is um, somebody who maybe takes on the trappings of various cults in order to scam them. Uh, mm. Cause she seems to move from group to group um, as part of a money, as part of sort of a, a, an ongoing money-making scheme. Mm. Um, in fact, at some point she she tries to sell Will. So um, she's not a not a particularly loving mother. <laughs> right. Um, I want to elaborate on this question in a couple of different ways. First, um, you mentioned paranoid billionaires that start culty nonprofits. Um, what are you referring to here? Oh, I mean, aren't 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 they all starting culty nonprofits <laughs> in one way or another? Um, I mean, I certainly was was starting a little bit with um, uh, with uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard. I mean, as as kind of a little bit of a model. I don't think that that the group that that um, that is talked about in this book is anything like Scientology. But uh, mm-hmm. certainly, I was thinking of that kind of that that kind of. Um, uh, leader who who is like brought to the level of demigod or you know spiritual there's a spiritual element and it seems like a lot of billionaires really have that ambition don't they Mm -hmm. um they like they they like to be loved i don't know Mm why yeah who knows um (laughs) when i used to live in san francisco you know i used to have scientologists approach me all the time with these like flying saucer eyeballs and they would be doing stress tests in the bart subway with people in guy fox masks yelling at them from the other side of the subway yeah did you read that did you read that nonfiction book about uh about i read yeah i read a couple one was um written by lawrence wright and yeah that's the one i read 
yeah going um yeah that was really good and yeah um, as was the film the master that was based on scientology um yeah i love that movie so much me too me too i think it's probably maybe paul thomas anderson's best film but he's got a lot of um well going back to the other aspect of the the culty thread that i wanted to talk about um you mentioned living off the grid, uh, Dan. Do you think it is possible to live off the grid in 2022? You mentioned facial recognition technologies later right. in this novel. Um, is it possible for a person to live their life anonymously? Um, I think it's tough, and I think that's what that's one of the reasons that I made Will as somebody who was like deliberately from childhood, um, sort of raised with this idea that he he was off the grid and that he didn't really exist that he didn't even have a name um and uh i think for the rest of us we've already given up too much um at one point or another um we're in the panopticon whether we like it or not Mm -hmm. um and in fact this uh the like one plot point of the novel turns on the fact that Will made one really huge error um, that put him inside the, you know, like the DNA panopticon. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know whether whether you, you've ever done the like 23andMe or any of those um, like tests where you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but as it turns, I have, because um, mm-hmm. I was, I mean, I was adopted myself and, and I was curious <laughs> And then my 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 son was like horrified because he's like now um, my DNA is in there too and and and, and you know um, any child that I have their DNA is in there too um, mm-hmm. and I was like well you know so you can't become a serial killer <laughs> right <laughs> but I'm sure I, I mean I'm, I am actually sure that that data is being used for things other than you know legitimate uh, police research. Yeah, yeah, I did. We we did a a podcast um, where a book was about privacy um, in the digital age, and the issue of doing these ancestry sites was was raised. I thought it was a really interesting thread. But um, yeah, you mentioned your protagonist. I don't think this is a spoiler. He slips up and um, he donates sperm to a sperm bank, right. which kind of like is his big fuck up um, as far as remaining anonymous goes but you also mentioned some other things that i was curious about i'm friends with the author william volman and he like kind of infamously never you know doesn't use credit cards doesn't use the internet right 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 like all of these things but then you don't think of stuff like satellite radio following you around which you right in this novel and it's like there's you know there's always something right Um, yeah yeah. i mean it's, it's i mean it's a it's interesting to me because one of the things writing about this reminded me was how was how much um the like what we've you know what we're doing with you know giving up pieces of our, our identity almost always has to do with not being lonely mm-hmm. um you know with you know we want to make connections on facebook or twitter we want to you know um have access to, to all these different things and I mean, what what ha- what that what happens as a result for for Will is that he's really isolated from the rest of the world and from uh, from other people um, because he doesn't have these you know these markers and he has to maintain this this sense of anonymity. Um, I think that's what makes this potential connection with this girl who claims to be his daughter 
really attracted to him is that he's lived a life of very intense loneliness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my next question, Dan, is what would uh, amnesia look like if it were a country? Um, southeastern Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's kind of, kind of like better, that's better. what we, that's 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 the joke in the in um in the uh, in the novel is he's in he's in uh like right be, right between uh the like the tip of Colorado and and Oklahoma and he says that it's it's like an amnesia scape, um, yeah. and uh, I grew up in that part of the world myself. I grew up in Western Nebraska. Um, so I have I have some sympathy, but it's definitely um, there's a there's a bleakness in that in that part of the world that's that's difficult to match. Um, and in some ways, like the things that we did to try to to try to mediate that, like here's a little patch of trees um, mm -hmm. just emphasizes the like the hostility of the landscape in some ways. Yeah. And I, I'm in a much different part of Colorado. Here. Oh, I know. Yeah. That part when you cross over from, from Kansas is pretty gnarly. Um, for sure. Well, speaking of amnesia, would you, uh, if you had amnesia, would you want to wake up on an Island? I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that sounds like the ideal thing. I mean, you know, it, I mean, part of that line, I, I kept, I kept going back to it. And, and the, the line is, um, I hope that someday I'll wake up on a desert island with amnesia yeah. and um, that feeling of just being so full of things circling in your head, not just personal stuff, but, you know, like the, like just the constant um, crazy politics that we've had the last few years, it's like been hard to, to get your head out of it. And, you know, just like to have one day where you're not thinking about what crazy thing is going to happen in the news or in, you know, in the world, that'd be, that'd be really pleasant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you, Dan. Um, listeners, we have a few more questions here. This one coming up does contain a little bit of an element of a spoiler, not too much, but if you uh, haven't read this book yet, you may want to take a second here to pause your uh, device and then come back to it uh, at this juncture after you've read the book. I'll give you another second to press pause or to tap your earbuds or whatever you need to do. Um, I like that you're. I like that you're sensitive to that, Jason. Oh yeah, thanks, really and you got to. There's nothing worse than looking forward to reading a book and then having it spoiled for you before you get to it. Um, but there are moments in this book when Will has to give up, like so many things that he loves. He has to give up his dog, which is heart. That was a heartbreaking scene for me as I'm sitting here talking to you with my dog uh, lying on the floor beside yeah. me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he has to give up his RV, the guiding star. Uh, the one thing that he does not want to give up uh, when he has to give up his RV is his memory foam mattress. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. You know, um, one of the jokes I think in the book is just that um, for somebody who's, you know, like been forced to live off the grid, he has these things that... Um, this, these elements of in, uh, acquisitiveness um, mm -hmm. that, 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 you know, he just really is attached to, to certain things. 
And um, I think I think that seems that seems right to me that, um, you know, he's never had a, a home of his own. So he loves that. He loves this RV that he has. He calls it the guiding star and he loves the bed that he put in it. And it's just like, you know, you have this feeling of a kid who's never had who's never had a place to call his own. Finally getting to, you know, like put his own stamp on a on a space and then. I think losing that is 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 kind of a heartbreaker. I mean, the whole the whole second half of the book, I I, I sort of structured it around this idea that um, he's. I mean, it's it, it's it's a it's a process of him getting stripped of what of of whatever identity markers he had that that made him himself, um, and that that that's, I guess, in some ways. Um, by the end, there's a, there's an element that that's you know like uh, a part of his redemption, um, yeah, but it's yeah. also but it's also painful. Yeah, um, that line jumped out at me because I had this most excellent memory foam mattress when I moved. I love them. I right? love them. <laughs> when I left North Carolina, it was too big for me to move, and so I I gave it to Rebecca who who's back there listening to nice. us. And, um, yeah, I. I I just had to order another one because I missed it so much. But hopefully Rebecca's enjoying it. And, uh, I mean, we should make sure that Memory Foam pays us for all the advertising that we're, we're Yeah, doing. exactly. Right. Yeah. I'll make a note of that for sure. Um, <laughs> we'll split it 50-50. Dan. All right. All right. Um, moving on. You spend some time in this novel, uh, Sleepwalk, talking about sort of QAnon level conspiracies. Um what do you think of these types of conspiracies? Are they at all rooted in truth? And what role do they play in your novel? Well, I mean, I think all of all of them are rooted in a truth, which is that we don't really necessarily know the full story of any, you know, of, of anything. Um, mm-hmm. But particularly, we don't know the story of the full story of what and why um the government does stuff um at the same time i feel like the um you know the conspiracies in sleepwalk are pretty ridiculous um and yet i mean there's a point where where will says um that it's 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 hard to live in a world where reality requires the suspension of disbelief um Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's sometimes true even now where um, you're like, how can this be, how can this be real? How can this be really happening? So we had a delivery come in there. I know. I saw the UPS guy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's constantly sort of um, the logical reality is constantly at odds with the, the, the sort of craziness that's happening. And I'm, I'm afraid that we're not ever going to get back to a point where, you know, most people sit down to one of three network news shows and accept that as like, this is our truth. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's also disconcerting when, you know, everybody seems to have a different idea of what truth is. Like even the basic groundwork. Are birds real? I don't know. All right. I think that was it. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that really, you know, of course, I think the one thing that most people would think about along these lines is the um, 
like the child sex slave in the basement of a pizza parlor. <laughs> really right. That's, that's something that gets mentioned. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think an even more horrifying one that's in the news is um, the parents of a school shooting are crisis actors. Yeah. Um, right. the, 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 the children didn't actually get killed. And that was something where, you know, a, a radio talk show host, I don't want to name his name, but everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Um actually did enormous like and a very very cruel damage yeah. to um these fa- these these suffering suffering like grief-stricken families yeah it's really insane and um listeners if you want to explore those kinds of um ideas a little more after you read sleepwalk there's a really great graphic novel series out there called department of truth right now that i recommend that you check out um well thank you dan and Finally, I I hate that we have come to the end of our time here, but I know we will be talking about this book all year long here at Explore Booksellers, and I hope we can have you on again in the future. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, please. That would be fantastic. Um, But finally, Dan, um, hypothetical scenario here. You go to a sperm bank. You make Mm -hmm. a donation. Uh, A child is eventually born as a result of said donation. Is the donor in any way responsible for this child? Um, I think that, you know, I, 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 I sort of want to dance around the, the, the question of, of responsibility because I feel like that has an element of ownership attached to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I think there's enough of that that goes on in the, in sort of like the, adoption industry the you know and you know like the the question of i have this thing it's mine and i I, i'd kind of like to flip the question and be and be like what rights do the does this this child have i mean Mm -hmm. do they have the right to their um biological history do they have the right to know their um you know um genetic history do they have the right to know um, the 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 family that they came from? And I think you know the question that to me is always about you know this you know this thing that that's being traded between you know two people is also a person. And you know what are the what I mean? I think we have to ask what are the rights of the person that's been mm-hmm. created, and you know what are what what should what information should they have? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. That that's a question that's not asked enough. Yeah, I agree. And it reminds me of a sort of related or and unrelated scenario about um what's happening with social media now and like kids' ownership over their own lives and images when parents Agreed. are posting Agreed. you know, their whole lives uh, uh publicly on the internet. Like will there come a point in the future when when kids regain rights to this and there's some sort of, of damages? Um who knows? Um, but I think that might be the world that we're heading for. Um, well, Dan, I want to thank you for writing this amazing book. I can't wait to put it in hundreds of hands. I'm going to be selling it heavily through the holiday season. I can't wait to read more of your work. Listeners, I've been speaking with Dan Sean, author of Sleepwalk, which is published by our friends at Henry Holt and Company. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. Great to meet you, Jason. Thank you.
Once again, I would like to thank Dan Sean for joining me. Copies of Sleepwalk can be ordered on www.explorebooksellers.com. I would also like to thank our sponsors, Libro FM Audiobooks and Quell Ridge Books. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, to get one free audiobook. Support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Booking.